Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. And as I've been saying, the next mantra here is save America, kill inflation. We just heard from Senator Phil Graham about the spending aspect and the need for welfare reform. Uh, Workfare is so important. Welfare is not. uh, The reforms of the Bill Clinton era have gone by the by. Now we bring in John Cochran, who is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution and the author of the blog called The Grumpy Economist. And, folks, it is a fabulous blog. It's a must-read. And John used to teach at the University of Chicago. So first of all, John Cochran, how are you? Thank you for coming on. I'm doing great, but you didn't tell me I had to follow Phil Graham. What a class act. Thank you. <laughs> you know, he is a longtime mentor of mine. But, look, you've been writing about the combined uh, inflationary impact of A, federal spending, and B, uh, Federal Reserve money supply creation. So we tackled the first part. Um, Tell us your thoughts now on Fed policy, because I'm concerned, John. I don't want to be a total strict 100% monetarist, uh, but, 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 but inflation is, you know, everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon, and I don't see the Fed – you know, they're not shrinking the monetary base balance sheet. The money supply, M2, is still growing at double digits. Um, and the Fed's funds target is zero. So, like, what are they doing? Well, I think <clears throat> this time Phil is mostly right. Uh, this inflation really wasn't about money versus bonds. It was about the big uh, – whether you borrow money and send people checks or whether you print money and send people checks, it's going to have about the same effect. <clears throat> uh, of course, the surprising thing is no one in Washington wants to admit that. But, mm. uh, you know, send people about $5 trillion of checks. They spend it. No surprise inflation. Uh, the amazing thing is that completely surprised the Fed. <laughs> they had no idea that was going to come. Um, so their job is, is mostly about interest rates these days. Now they're um, – very slow to react um, to uh, to what's going on with interest rates. I think they've been hoping it'll all go away and they don't have to uh, do their unpleasant job of trying to counteract this enormous fiscal stimulus, along with the welfare programs Phil mentioned are important, too. If you pay people not to work, they don't work. And that also leads to some of the inflation we got going on. So uh, bottom line, they're slowly waking up to raising interest rates, uh, which is the one thing they can do to try to counteract this. Uh, but it does seem awfully slow and an awfully rosy scenario that most of the inflation will go away on its own before they really have to get serious about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Janet Ellen says inflation will be at 2% by the end of the year. I, I have my doubts, big doubts. I was talking to Kevin Hassett yesterday. Um, he thinks the Fed should raise the Fed funds target rate, John, by 50 basis points in each of the next several meetings until – you see some evidence, either from the indexes, which tend to move slowly, uh, or let's say uh, commodity, broad-based commodity indexes, which have actually picking up steam, see them coming down. In other words, you keep raising 50 until you see some evidence that inflation is being pulled down. And actually, Jim Bullard, the president of the St. Louis Fed, kind of hinted at 50 in March. Uh, with his statements this past week. Uh, what do you think? Well, it, it depends on uh, what happens, as always. <laughs> I think that the 2% bit, they are counting on most of the inflation just going away on its own, so that the amount that they, the Fed, have to fight is much, much smaller. 
the general rule of thumb in economics is uh, for every one percentage point of inflation, eventually the Fed has to raise uh, the interest rates more than one percent in order to fight that inflation. Uh, so if you're talking about 50, 100 basis points, you know, if we have 7% inflation at the end of next year, the way we have it this year, you need interest rates to go up more than 7 if right. they're going to fight that. So basically, when they're talking about a couple percentage of interest rates, they think most of the 7 is going to just melt away on its own like the snow, uh, and they won't have to do that much fighting of it. We'll John Cochran, that lucky. Can, can you hang on? I'm running out of time. Can you stay, sit for five you minutes bet. during an ad and come back on the other side? I'm here for you. Oh, you're great. I would really appreciate that. We're talking to John Cochran of the Grumpy Economist and Hoover Institution. I'm Larry Cudlow. We're going to take a quick break, and then Professor Cochran's going to come on and help us out some more. Thanks ever so much. I'm Cudlow. Save America. Kill inflation. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Cudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. Save America. Kill inflation. I'm Larry Kudlow. On the line, we have uh, uh, Dr. John Cochran, who is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He's the author of the blog, The Grumpy Economist, a terrific blog, folks. you got to stay with it. We all read it. Uh, and, John, thank you for staying over. Um, we ran out of time because <clears throat> I went long with Phil Graham, so we're going longer with you, and you're very kind on a Saturday morning. John, you were doing some rules of thumb on the Fed funds rate, the target rate, which is presently about zero, and it can't be zero if the inflation rate is 7.5%. Could you just kind of walk us through those rules of thumb? Absolutely. I mean, the key is if you want to uh, – when you borrow, you, you, you pay an interest rate, but then if you have to pay it back with dollars that are worthless, it's like they're paying you even though it looks like you're paying them, Right. So if you want to uh, cut down on inflation, eventually you got to raise the interest rate by more than the inflation rate to, to slow things down. But I'd say the, mo- the most important thing here, really, um, monetary policy isn't just about what you do today. It's, it's like military policy. It's about deterrence. Uh, if people expect inflation, we're going to have inflation. So the most important thing the Fed could be doing and really isn't is to make it clear that if inflation gets up and stays up, they're going to slam it. Mm. They would be willing to do 1980 again if they had to do it. Mm. Uh, you know, this, this is just like deterring uh, Putin out of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you say, well, there might be a, a, a severely worded memorandum at the United States Nations, he's not going to do anything. <laughs> he's going to do what he wants. Mm. You, have to, you have to show your missiles and be ready to use them. Not, not in the Ukraine case, but that's the analogy. And the Fed is not really willing to say we would be out there and, and if, if inflation gets to 10 percent, we'll do like 1980 again. It would be really painful. But only the belief that they're willing to do that keeps people from expecting inflation to really get embedded. And that's that's the biggest thing that they need to do. You know, I've, I've talked about a Volcker moment, uh, John, on the, on the TV show, and there's no Volcker. I've actually talked about a Reagan Volcker moment because Reagan said, you know, go on ahead and do what you have to do. Uh, and he did. And you're quite right. Um, if the inflation... I, you're, wait, you're exactly right. It takes both sides. I don't think Congress would let the Federal Reserve sharply raise interest rates, cause a recession, and keep it there for a couple of years, no matter how bad inflation got. Yeah. So it needs both sides. I suspect you're right. Look, your point, you wrote about the Fed noms, the Fed nominees. I've, I've quoted you on the air. It isn't that they're not 
qualified in some professional sense. They have degrees and they write papers. But you have to ask, you know, are they more interested in woke climate change than inflation? Uh, are they more interested in um, what was it? The paper you cited uh, from the Michigan State, Lisa Cook, uh, a credit analysis of small businesses in Russia. And, you know, she wants slavery reparations and uh, she thinks uh, NASCAR people are stupid. And, you know, it just and she wants unemployment. I'm sorry. She wants the black unemployment rate to be substituted as a metric. Uh, for the overall unemployment rate, this was written up well, by well, Larry I, Lindsay. I think I think we'd all like to see a low black unemployment rate. In yes, fact, just just before the uh, uh, pandemic hit, we had the lowest black unemployment yes. rate ever. Yes, uh, which is something to celebrate. Yes. Uh, now, whether you can uh, push that with uh, with Fed policy is another question. But this is the big issue here: is not these personalities, but where is the Fed going? Is the Fed? Um, the regional feds are spending more time on inequality and, and racial issues. I'm not sure that there's much the Fed can do about that other than other than nag the banks to have DEI programs. But the, the big issue is the climate change. Mm. And, and Sarah Bloom Raskin, who's, who's an extremely qualified person, and mm. that's why I worry about her. <laughs> she knows exactly how to use financial regulation in order to tell the banks to stop lending to oil companies, try to starve oil companies out of the financial system. She said that's what she wants to do. That's what the whole uh, climate, um, the whole project to bring climate into financial regulation is about. And uh, and um, that, that, I think, is a, a dangerous overstepping of what the Federal Reserve ought to be doing. Do climate policy that our legislators are not willing to say on record and to vote uh, vote laws that they're willing to do, but but sneak it in through the Fed and not just good climate policy, the climate policy of starving, fossil, starving the fossil fuel companies, drive up the price of gas. That having the Federal Reserve do that is just a terrible idea. Well, let's see. So I think that, that we should be talking about that issue, um, not just the people that embody it. Well, no, but I have. I mean, it, it's both. But yes. I, uh, I, I have. And I, I've never said she wasn't qualified. I've never said um, Scott uh, Cook wasn't qualified. I, I just find her views abhorrent. Now, on the climate change, uh, John Cochran, you know, let's suppose – First of all, I don't think the Fed has a thing to do with climate change. You wrote a pretty good critique of that because uh, climate changes, you know, are 50 to 100 years. There's no immediate existential risk. But, you know, let's suppose they cut back. They forced the banks to cut back and the banks really forced the big oil and gas companies to cut back. You know, John, that what's that going to do? Cut supply, raise demand. That's going to jack up prices of energy, which will go right into the CPI. In other words, as a Fed governor, she's saying, I'm for more inflation, not less. Yeah, kind of hilarious that there was a proposal uh, in Congress to get rid of gas taxes. <laughs> yes. As if they hadn't been spending the last two years trying everything they can to reduce supply of gas. Look, <laughs> climate change is important. And, and where does almost where are all the emissions coming from? Coal plants in China. Uh, climate change is important. It's a long-term issue, and it has nothing to do with financial regulation. Mm, the yes. idea that there is some climate risk facing the financial system that's going to cause explosions in the financial system over the next couple of years, that is just made up as an excuse to let the regulators go in and kill the fossil fuel industry. Yeah, yeah. it was a great piece you wrote. Um, if the inflation rate is hovering, John, the, 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 the PCE deflator, personal consumption deflator, which I guess is the Fed's basic metric, 
the last 12 months, that's nearly 6%. Let's just use that for a minute. If the inflation rate hovers around 6%, John Cochran, what would your rules of thumb suggest about the Fed funds rate? Uh, well, if it if it stays 6%, then the Fed funds rate has to be at least more than 6% yep. so that it actually costs you something to borrow money. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we haven't seen interest rates above 6% for a long time. Now, the Fed's hope is that most of that 6% will go away on its own, so they only have to fight a 2 3 4% inflation. And uh, I don't know, hope, hope is a dangerous strategy. I know. It's, it's, it's like second and third marriages, a triumph of hope over experience. Uh, <laughs> John, let's assume, all right, I'll come down even more. Let's assume the basic inflation rate, I don't even know what that phrase means, but let's assume it's, it isn't 6 or 7 or 10 where, by the way, I think there's a risk it could go to 7 to 10. But let's assume it's 5, just for argument's sake. Is there anybody in the Federal Reserve System that envisions a 6 or 7% Fed funds rate to deal with 5% inflation? Oh, I, I think they understand these principles uh, quite well. Um, they just have been very bad for the last couple of years at seeing inflation coming. So mm-hmm. they, they keep saying – as they did in the 1970s. You're old enough to remember it. Oh, yeah. it's just a supply shock. Oh, it's just a market causing a problem. Oh, it's just this, that, and the other thing. So they're assuming these are there is a one-time shocks that are going to go away, so they only have to fight a 1% or 2% inflation or maybe 3%. Uh, but I think they all understand that if inflation is stays at 5% and is going to be 5%, they're going to have to raise interest rates to a good deal more than that. Risk of recession, uh, it's going to be a political mess. But mm. the, the Fed certainly understands this is where they would have to go. They just don't believe they're facing that danger right now. Uh, John Cochran, one more, uh, the last uh, minute or so. Your wonderful piece, infrastructure does not mean roads and bridges, apparently. I just love this piece. <laughs> I've quoted this piece on the TV show a million times. Tell us about it. Infrastructure does not mean roads well, and bridges. I thought it did. I was surprised. I thought so, Shocked. too. You know, we were sold this trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that was going to make things wonderful. Of that already – only about a hundred a uh, hundred million was sorry a hundred billion was going to be devoted towards what you and I think of as roads and bridges, and it turns out <laughs> once it gets through the administration that they said, no, we won't use any of this money to subsidize any project <laughs> that would increase travel lanes that might be used by by cars so you you literally cannot build any new roads or bridges worse than that, you can't use the money in any way that would change travel patterns. <laughs> so you can resurface an existing road, but you can't change travel patterns. And I was thinking, you know, suppose our ancestors had said, well, you can build a transcontinental railroad. That's fine. But you can't change travel patterns. So only the same number of people can go as go on, on, on horse wagons. Are you kidding me? So that's our modern infrastructure. Well, that's because what the regulators are doing to subvert the bill the federal highway yeah, regulators, national, you know, we, Trump administration had, you know, we changed permitting through this NEPA, but they're throwing that out for highway administrators and uh, Endangered Species Act. They're getting around it, at least as far as roads and bridges are concerned. No, this is a great point. You know, 
people think we don't have money. We have tons of money in the U.S. The problem with roads and bridges is not the money. The problem with roads and bridges is getting the permits, getting yep. it through environmental review, the massive bloat in how much it costs stuff, you know, billions of dollars per mile to build a subway. I mean, the French build subways at way less than what we, it costs us mm. to build subways. Mm. That's the problem. Yeah, you guys did a great job. The environmental reviews are not saving the environment. They're there for people who don't want projects to be able to block them and make them more expensive and drag them out. Right. This was supposed to have a limit on environmental reviews, and uh, and the administration said, no, we're, we're going to just ignore that and put all the environmental reviews back in mm. if you want to change the right-of-way at all or build new lanes or build new roads. So back to block, extend, let things go on for years and years. Right. John, you're wonderful. Folks, you got to read. The blog is called The Grumpy Economist. Uh, Dr. John Cochran is the author. He's a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. John, thanks very much for giving us your time today. 